I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, give a high five or fist pound your neighbor. That's great. If you're by yourself, just do yourself. There you go. There we go. All right. God truly is good all the time, isn't he? And all the time, he is good. I appreciate uh, uh, your extra gifts to help in our landscaping. We're starting to see some of that uh, come to fruition here at the church, and so that's exciting uh, to see uh, some of the old stuff gone and some of the, look, looking forward to the new stuff that will be out here for us. And appreciate Aaron uh, spearheading that for us and getting that taken care of. And uh, uh, Mila is uh, now living in the parsonage with her children and uh, grateful that one of our church members is there. So that's just a, a blessing for us. And she thinks it's a Taj Mahal compared to what they were crammed into in a little apartment. So uh, grateful for that. It's no Taj Mahal, but it, it'll work for us. So we're glad that uh, she's there. And uh, pray for McCaleb. As we mentioned last week, he started this week, didn't he, at the at the farm. I think mom's having more trouble than he is. But uh be praying for him. He's working on a farm this summer. Uh, going to come home for church camp, but then he'll be there the rest of the summer. So she's praying for maturity and growth in him uh, as a young man because he will be in the eighth grade. That's hard to believe. A young man that size is just going to be in the eighth grade. I don't know what he'll look like in the tenth grade and eleventh grade, but uh, we'll probably have to subsidize her, her uh, food bill some to help with that, feed that kid. I just thought the locusts came through my house. Wait till <laughs> Whew. But uh, just grateful for our young people and, and what they mean to us here at the church. Uh, it's good to see uh, my family over the years uh, use their gifts and talents. And now Jeff is missed you're able to use those talents here at the church, and we're grateful for that. Uh, Corey and Megan will be relocating to Houston. I don't know if any of you heard that. He got a job promotion with uh, Max Steele, who he works for, and uh, but he has to relocate to Houston. So they are coming back from there today. They've been down kind of looking houses over and different things. So be praying for them as they get ready to make that transition to Houston. And uh, Cindy will be making several trips to Houston with her with her business, uh, more now than she ever did. Uh, so <clears throat> even if they don't need her to come, she's probably going to go ahead and go anyway. And uh, Dad will be here left to take care of the dog, and you know how the, that just works out pretty good. So Steve... Tran decided that he had, had had it with the cockroaches in his house. Spotted them crawling down the walls while he watched TV and in the middle of the night discovered them when he would turn the lights on in the kitchen. Even thought the rowdy cockroach Group probably were playing poker in the corner in the dark corners of his pantry when he couldn't see them. But he was just fed up. He wanted some revenge. And there were stores in Westminster, California that sold bug bombs. And Steve went and bought some. The back of the bug bombs said two would do, do it for a house the size of Steve's. But he wasn't content with just two. 
He wanted the cockroaches gone. He wanted to blow them away, so he bought 25. Took both arms to carry in all the canisters and took quite a bit of time for him to set them up in his kitchen in his apartment where he lived. I can only imagine the smoke that soon covered the place. That spray of 25 cockroach bombs in an apartment kitchen must have been overpowering. The air in Steve's place became rich with fuel and the screams from the cockroaches could be heard for miles around. Or maybe it was the screams of Steve and his neighbors. That thick spray reached the pilot light on the stove and ignited and created the biggest bug bomb that folks had ever seen in Westminster. Steve's screen door was blown across the street. Every window and every piece of glass in Steve's apartment shattered. The furniture caught fire and the fire department soon soaked Steve's smoke-damaged belongings. It would take $10,000 for the apartment complex to repair the damage and years for Steve to recover from his anger. And wouldn't you know it, the cockroaches were back the following Sunday. The moral of the story is this. If you've got a problem inside your house, be sure to solve the problem without destroying your home. Sibling rivalries have been blowing up homes for centuries. In the Bible, some of the most memorable stories are of brothers and sisters who simply couldn't get along. Joseph irritated his older brothers with with his dreams of ruling over them, which was part of the reason why the brothers decided they could do with one less little brother. Jacob and Esau were wrestling with one another even as they were born. Some of David's children seemed bent on destroying one another as it was then it is now when family members don't address conflict appropriately, you can almost see them setting out bug bombs. And sooner or later, the damage is going to be great. One of the greatest and clearest lessons in the Bible for siblings today comes from the story of two sisters, Mary and Martha. They were adult sisters living in the same house with their brother Lazarus. From conflict to resolution, Mary and Martha give us a wonderful look at how God intends for us to thrive in the midst of our differences. We pick up our story, the first part of our story, in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn there. Luke chapter 10, we're going to be at verse 38 and and go through verse 42. Luke 10 and verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Successful siblings know three things. Number one, successful siblings know that confrontation avoided is a conflict in the making. Confrontation avoided is a conflict in the making. Mary and Martha had drastically different ideas of what should happen when Jesus came to their house. 
Martha immediately envisioned a big meal and an opportunity to show off this great family's hospitality. Mary could think of nothing better than to listen to the teaching of Jesus. And as Luke tells the story, Martha explodes with a fury, an unexpected storm, trading in an opportunity for gracious hospitality for embarrassing conflict. Danny protested vehemently when his mother told him to take his younger sister with him when he was going fishing. But mom insisted, so Danny obeyed. They returned only a few minutes later. And Danny's mother asked, Well, that certainly didn't take very long. I hope your sister didn't make too much noise. Danny says, Well, it wasn't the noise. There just wasn't much use staying after she ate all the bait. (laughs) Danny probably should have used confrontation with a little more conviction. (laughs) I love this story. A third grade Sunday school teacher was giving a Bible lesson on the commandment, Honor thy father and mother. Now, does anyone know a commandment for brothers and sisters, the teacher said. One real sharp girl raised her hand and she said, Thou shalt not kill. (laughs) Now, what's missing in the story of Mary and Martha is a private conversation between these two sisters. They could have and should have discussed the situation and really should have done it as soon as possible. Had both women prepared the food, perhaps both would have been able to have listened to the teaching. Had both women asked Jesus what would be required of them, perhaps other options could have been discovered. I mean, after all, this man who could produce a meal for thousands, he did it with a boy's lunch. When a healthy conversation didn't happen, the seeds of family conflict were planted, and when Martha felt the stress of preparing for so many by herself, these plans of conflict became watered and fertilized and cultivated, and with every glance toward her sister, who was idly sitting at the feet, her anger grew. But Martha didn't address her anger or her concern to Mary. She was angry at her sister, but she didn't communicate that anger. To avoid the confrontation not only didn't solve the problem, it actually made the problem far worse because Martha's refusal to confront Mary resulted in a far more unpleasant situation. Martha's effort to punish her sister actually backfired because Jesus, in His response, corrected Martha. Martha, Martha, He said. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Well, I'm sure Martha responded to that very good. (laughs) I bet she got excited to hear that message from Jesus. Confrontation seems frightening to many people, but there's one key thing to remember, is that confrontation is no more than a conversation about differences. Is that true? When you stop and think about it, it's just a conversation about differences. And conversation is a lot more pleasant than conflict. So the first thing that successful siblings know is that confrontation avoided is a conflict in the making. And secondly, serving one another is the price of success. Few conflicts inside a family are the fault of only one person. Amen? 
takes two to tango. It takes two to argue, doesn't it? And if one of you won't argue, then you don't have an argument. If one of you smiles a lot and just says, okay, then what are you going to do? See, if you're married and you learned early on, say, yes, dear, whatever you want. Life's been a lot better for you, hasn't it? <clears throat> but if you wanted to argue the point and you wanted to go tooth and toenail and you wanted to make sure that you had the last word, your life's been miserable. Now, she doesn't get always get to have everything she wants, but at least make her think she does. Amen. That's the same trick they use on us. They make us think that it's our idea, and that's why we're out in the, out in the yard planting flowers. Amen. Had Mary thought of Martha's practical personality first, she would have certainly helped with the meal. I mean, both women could have had time uh, to sit at the feet of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Lazarus might have broken the stereotype and helped set the table. You know, the one that men didn't do any of that. Women did it all. Oh, wait a minute. That's still part of our culture, isn't it? <clears throat> it's not every day that the table needs to be expanded fivefold either. Amen. Growing up, you remember how it was, wasn't it? You'd bring a friend home and mom would always have an extra plate. All the time. Never did you bring a friend to your house at dinner time that they didn't get something to eat. Now, oftentimes, mom would go without food so that your friend could have a food, but she never let you know about it, did she? You never even paid attention to it until you became the parent and your kids brought a friend home. Then it finally dawned on you how all your friends got food every time there was, didn't seem to be enough food. Somebody had to go without. So it could be worked out. Fred Craddock was speaking to a group of ministers and he said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think giving all of our all to the Lord is like t taking a $1,000 bill, laying it on the table, and saying, here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that He sends us to the bank, has us cash the $1,000 for quarters. We go through life putting out 25 cents here, 50 cents here. Listen to the neighbor's kids' troubles instead of saying, get lost. Go to a committee meeting. Give up a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little, little, over the long haul. But that's what God would have us do. Serving siblings is certainly like giving 25 cents at a time. When a brother helps his sister with a chore, when a sister volunteers to pass the remote control to the brother, that's serving. When the oldest child brags on the younger sibling and the words are never forgotten by the brother or sister who hears that praise. Instead of competing against a brother or sister, successful siblings learn how to compete together. And when you serve each other, that's great competition. A mother of four at her church recently told her Bible study group of a family practice that still to that day deeply impacted her. She said on New Year's Eve, part of the family's annual tradition included a circle of verbal support. 
As the year, new year was beginning, every family member took turns heaping positive comments upon one person at a time. There was no limit to the number of positive comments, and no one was excluded. Even mom and dad heard positive comments from their children, and more than two decades after the last circle of praise, her eyes glistened with tears as she remembered the effect of hearing her parents and her siblings shower her with praise. She said it was overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming. Successful, successful siblings know confrontation avoided is a conflict in the making. Serving one another is the price of success. And then thirdly, knowing Jesus is the key to any family's success. The conflict between Mary and Martha isn't the last time we hear from these two sisters. The two of them suffer through the greatest crisis of their lives when their brother Lazarus dies. But miraculously, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead four days after his funeral. And when Jesus arrives sometime later, the family throws an appreciation banquet for Jesus and his disciples. We pick up this story in John chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, flip over there to John chapter 12, beginning verses 1 through 3. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived in Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Martha served. Mary worshipped, Lazarus, very much alive, enjoying the meal. This family worked perfectly together. A far cry from the way we saw them in Luke chapter 10. Jesus not only had been in their home, which made the difference, but now they follow Jesus without any reservation. So their depth of commitment, their depth of relationship grew from the one incident to the next. Lazarus had the distinct understanding of what it was like to be dead and yet alive because of Jesus. Mary had a bold profession of faith before G or Martha did before he raised, she, uh, he raised her brother. <coughs> if you go back to John eleven twenty seven, 27, Mary worshipped Jesus with an expensive boldness bathing his feet in this what's called pure nard, very expensive, very strong perfume. Nothing will promote the best characteristics of your family like putting Jesus at the center of your family. When each member of the family professes Jesus as Martha did, every sibling is on the same team. There is common ground to celebrate. And when each member of the family enjoys a church event, a worship concert, or some season of revival, every person in the family operates at a maximum level of effectiveness. Brothers serve, sisters speak lovingly to one another, and family members recognize the strengths of other personalities inside that family circle. Reunions can be blessed or cursed. Depends on how everybody receives each other. And oftentimes it's in the drive to the reunion where the fumes begin, where the bug bombs begin to be set. 
Oh, that we would get rid of all the bombs. Luke's incredible vocabulary provides a wonderful word picture for us in this passage. Mary's gift of perfume apparently nearly overwhelms the people in the house. The smell saturates the house. The house was filled with the fragrance. You remember when you used to go to your grandmother's house and there was those smells that you always remember? You never forget them. And you don't have to be very far from her house to begin to smell them even when you're not in her presence yet. Long after Jesus had left that house, the fragrance remained. Could it be said of our homes, of our relationships, that the fragrance of Jesus is permeating our lives, is permeating our presence. In fact, we're encouraged in the Bible to become a fragrant aroma unto God. So does He see us in that way? Does He see us and smell us as a fragrant aroma or a pungent odor? All of us have family heirlooms that have been handed down from generation to generation. One family treasured an old vase. They even kept it on a mantle where everybody could see it. And when the mother came in from shopping one late afternoon, her teenage daughter said, Mother, you know that vase that has been handed down from generation to generation? Yes, dear. Well, the daughter said, Well, this generation... Just dropped it. Will you be the generation that drops the vase? Or will you be the generation in your family that makes serving and being a servant-minded person the rule of the day? Only you can answer that question. Only you can answer that question. What a contrast between the first encounter Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had with Jesus in the second encounter. They're all doing in unity what they needed to do. That's the picture of the family. That's the picture of the siblings that should be working together, not against each other. And the tragedy is we never get to see that sometimes on this side of glory. So if you've got an issue with a, with a brother or sister, deal with it today. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not even guaranteed the rest of the day. <laughs> you're just guaranteed this moment that we're in. So would you take a moment to consider where you are with your siblings? I think one of the most refreshing things for me is to watch Brad and Bryant uh, interact with each other. Even when Brad was coaching over at Union, they would meet before the games and talk and Bryant would stand about five yards away because, you know, he had that Union uniform on. But it, it was just – and Brad, you know, he, he had a zero on it with an X through it. I, I mean, a line through it. It, it, was, it was ugly. But it didn't matter that they were opposite coaches on opposite teams. They were still brothers, and they came together on the field. And I loved it. I remember them putting their arms around their family and just having pictures made. Because it didn't matter what they looked like on the outside – is what was going on on the inside. 
And so I, I ask you to look at your brothers and your sisters and your relationships. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to bury some hatchets and get rid of them and rekindle and renew. Father, I ask you this morning that you uh, move among us and that you do a mighty work among us. And, Father, that your presence is obvious here this morning. Father, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. We, all, we do every week, and we will continue to do so. We want to give people always an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. So, Father, we ask you this morning that if there's somebody here who knows they need to correct some issues with family, that they will take the courage to do that today. It takes a lot, Father, to go into hostile territory. We want to plant bug bombs. We want the hostile territory to be removed. But oftentimes, Father, we need to humble ourselves and not worry about whatever the issue was, but to look more at the person and love them right there. So God, today, there might be someone in this room that's struggling with that in a family member. There might be someone here struggling with that with you. They've had a lot of heartache. They've had a lot of issues in their life. Uh, Father, they're just struggling. They're struggling to know what meaning of life is. They're struggling to know what health issues, why they have them over somebody else. But God, would you be close to them today? Would you reassure them of your presence today? Touch them in a special way today. Blow a fresh wind of your spirit through this church and through every heart that's in this church today. And God, we ask you to do a mighty work in us, to do a miracle work in us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me to sing.